At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. I was driving to work one morning and a breaking news story came over the radio about, um, you know, reports of a home invasion. Uh, A man accidentally shot his wife in the back while she was sleeping, trying to fend off a home intruder. It's just such a tragic accident. You know, this is breaking news. We'll let you know when we know more. And they said near the intersection of Wilshire and Council. No names, no nothing at this point. I mean, it, it was a very breaking news story. They really didn't know anything yet. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, he killed her. Hey guys, welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to William Jensen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> William Jensen. And uh, Very refined um, framing of the Billy Jensen. <laughs> Very refined. So I thought it was time that we should bring back our giveaway contest of if you guys go and write us a review on the First Degree on Apple Podcasts, we're going to give away a free merch thing every single week. You get to pick whatever it is. You get to pick whatever whatever you want from our website. All you have to do is leave your Instagram at the end of the review so we can find you to give you the prize. So let's do it. Leave us some five star reviews. And we're going to leave. We're going to read the best ones. We're going to we're going to pick our favorites. So make sure it's good. Yes. Um, Okay. so what day is it, Billy? It's National Hug Day. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I, have, I don't think I've gotten hugged yet today. I hugged you. You hugged when, oh, we, when I you hugged came both. in. We, that's, we, hugged. we hugged. It was so unmemorable. I forgot You're welcome. <laughs> it's also National Lost Penny Day, too, which is in honor of Abe Lincoln's birthday, which it also is. Oh. Hey, Abe. I feel like everybody is just losing their pennies. Yeah. Nobody cares. No. Zero percent. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. We're going to start by closing our eyes. We're imagining that we're sleeping. We're sleeping soundly in bed. You're calm. You're tranquil. You're getting that REM sleep that you so badly need. 
But then you hear a noise. Maybe you have some sort of weapon in your room because you listen to a ton of true crime. You have pepper spray or a bat or a knife or, or whatever, a gun, whatever, whatever you're into. You've got something. But let's say you have a gun in your nightstand and you pull it out because you're terrified. You think there's an intruder who may harm you. It's dark. You can hardly see anything. It's confusing. One second you were asleep and the next you're in a life or death fight or flight struggle. You sense this intruder getting closer and you raise your weapon. You pull the trigger in the darkness and you feel a body falling to the floor. And then you realize that in this chaos, in this dark struggle, the figure of a loved one lays lifeless in front of you and your life is changed forever. Our case is taking us back to November 19th of 2014. Shake It Off by Taylor Swift was topping the charts, and The Hunger Games Mockingjay was in theaters. And the setting for today's case is Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It's the 27th largest city in the U.S. It's located along famous Route 66. OKC has a large oil and gas community, along with one of the biggest livestock markets in the world. And it's a town not without peril. It's been hit with 13 tornadoes rated at least F4 or higher, which if you've ever seen Twister... You know, F5 is the finger of God, F4, every, you know, it's, it's rough. And it was also the site of the deadliest terror attack in American history prior to 9-11, which was the 1995 bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah building, which killed 168 people. So November 19th of 2014, it was 3.10 a.m. when a frantic call was made to the Oklahoma City Police Department. And the man on the phone was named Kenny Glasson, and he was completely hysterical. And through his cries, he explained that an intruder had broken into his home and entered the master bedroom of his house, and there had been a shooting. The 911 dispatcher wasn't entirely clear on what was happening, but they sent EMTs and police officers to this home. And when they arrived, they found a 41-year-old woman lying in bed, dead from a gunshot wound to the back. Her name was Erin Glasson, and she was the wife of the man who called 911. And the couple's five-year-old daughter was in the house, down the hall from the master bedroom, but completely unharmed, thankfully. And the EMTs rushed to her aid, but she was pronounced dead at the scene. The scene was chaotic, but police managed to sit Kenny, who was a smaller man with a shaved head and a goatee, down to hear what happened. Kenny was asleep in bed next to his wife, but something woke him up. He opened his eyes and saw an intruder in their bedroom. And the intruder was moving towards the couple. The man never said a word. He only grunted when Kenny asked him what he wanted and why he was there. Kenny grabbed his pistol from under the mattress and fired one shot. But as he fired, the intruder pushed his arm down, causing the pistol to fire in the direction of Aaron, who was still asleep. The police probed Kenny for a suspect description. But the ordeal had happened so fast and there were no lights on. So all Kenny could see was that the intruder was a tall, large man wearing a dark hoodie. Yes, so the scene presented a nightmarish scenario. A man trying to protect his home and protect his family had accidentally shot his wife. So the police are trying to wrap their heads around what they're dealing with here. They need to find this intruder, and they start with an initial canvas of their neighborhood. They speak to one of Kinney and Aaron's neighbors. His name was Joe Prio, and they learned that there had actually been multiple home invasions in the neighborhood before. So they have a lead and start to look into these other break-ins to see if they could lead to one perpetrator. This is our first degree, Lauren. So Lauren at one time had been very close to Kinney and Aaron. 
Lauren and Kenny were very good friends, and Lauren eventually married Kenny's brother. So she became part of the family. You know, Kenny was her brother-in-law, and Aaron became her sister-in-law. And here she is talking about Kenny. Years ago, I used to go to bike nights, motorcycle nights, at a local bar with a friend, and this was a mutual friend of ours. And so that was how I got to know him. You know, he was always just kind of life of the party and boisterous and outgoing. And, um, you know, the biker scene is, is a lot of flirtation and probably inappropriateness. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, um, I had known him for probably almost six months before I ever knew he was married. Like, I didn't even know he had a wife. I thought he was single. I didn't know Kenny was married at all. Nobody ever talked about his wife. She wasn't ever around. So Kenny and Lauren have this friendship, and eventually Lauren gets set up with Kenny's brother, and she ends up marrying him. So this is the family that we referenced in the beginning that Lauren has married into. But after marrying into this family, it didn't work out with the brother, so she's no longer with him. So she ended up finding out about all of this after that relationship was over. So that night, they release Aaron's picture on the news. And I'm my phone starts blowing up because the last name comes out and people that have known me for a long time knew that used to be mine. My friend messages me on Facebook and just says, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I said, I know I'm so sad for the daughter and I'm in shock. How are you? She says, not very good. We're all taking this really hard. I really hope he's telling the truth. Because at that point, the only story anyone knows is that there was a home intruder, that he saw a tall, dark person in a hoodie, and that he had a gun, or Kenny had a gun, and was wrestling with this person, and they hit his arm, and the gun went off and shot Aaron in the back while she was asleep. That was the story we knew at that time. So when my friend is messaging me and just saying, I really hope he's telling the truth. I can't see this happening at all. I said, honestly, I could see it both ways. You know, that he had killed Aaron. But was it accidental or, you know, was there even a home intruder? What's going on? So back at the scene, Aaron was pronounced dead due to a single gunshot wound to the back. And the medical examiner determined that she had died of internal hemorrhage due to perforating gunshot wounds. And in this initial phase of the investigation, there's a lot going on. There are officers canvassing the neighborhood looking for clues that could lead them to their intruder. They also needed to know as much as they could about the couple, who their friends were, whether they had any enemies, whether he had noticed anything odd happening in the weeks or days preceding the break-in. So they learned that 33-year-old Kinney and 41-year-old Aaron had been married almost a decade and had one young daughter. Neighbors say the two loved their five-year-old daughter and tried a long time to have her. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, they're wonderful people. One of the sweetest people I've ever met. I mean, would do anything for anyone. Such a kind heart, loves animals. The When I heard that Aaron had passed away, um, you know, the first feeling was obviously, you know, shocked, just like, oh my gosh, I know these people. Um, 
I used to know them very well, you know, um, but then immediately my my head went to their daughter. And it was just like, oh my gosh, she's five. She just lost her mother. She's five. She was down the hall in her room asleep when this happened. So we wanted to know from Lauren whether or not she observed any red flags in Kenny and Aaron's relationship. You know, I have the unique perspective of kind of seeing two sides of their relationship. You know, there's the the social side and the personal side. Um, so in in the social side of their relationship, you know what everybody knew. Um, you know, they're happily married. Aren't they so cute? They're still kind of in the honeymoon phase. You know, they're just the best couple ever. And uh, they're just doing really well. And lots of fun to be around and this, that, and the other. But then there was always tension, it felt like, when we were around them outside of that biker scene. I think Erin worked in human resources. She was very hardworking, professionals, you know, and Jay was kind of, I think he did a lot of heat and air work. I know at one point he was delivering air, like medical air tanks for people and and things like that. You know, he kind of bounced around a lot. And it just always, you know, there was always stuff about money, about Jay not working. And she, you know, she, yeah, she was very responsible, very hardworking, very good with money. Um, and, and he wasn't. Back at the scene, police were using canine officers in an attempt to track the intruder. And the police looked for signs of forced entry, but they weren't able to find any visible marks on any of the doors or windows. But there was an exterior wooden fence of the Glasson home that did have some visible damage. And by this point, Kenny is at the police station being questioned by the police. And he drops a bombshell on them. He explains that while he loved his wife, Erin, he had been cheating on her recently with 24-year-old Reva Ann Smith, who danced at a strip club. Reva was actually a widow and a mother to three young children. Kenny spoke about the affair with the blonde dancer freely, and it seemed to police that cheating was something Kenny did throughout his entire marriage to Erin. Right. And this information, as the police are learning it, it's becoming part of the investigation and the media is catching wind, too. Then as the days progress, the news stories start coming out with he was in a relationship with this girl, Heaven, and that, you know, they'd been together for quite some time. And she was from, I think, a, just this is all based on news stories I've read and stuff, but I think she was from a pretty small town. She had some trouble herself with the law, um, but it was minor. It was, there was something about she had missed a court date, and so they had issued a bench warrant for her arrest. Okay, so then when Lauren heard about this, about this uh, secret girlfriend that Kenny had, it sort of shook loose a memory from her past when she was still married to Kenny's brother. He gets in a major motorcycle accident. When the wreck happened, I was still with his brother, but they were at a club, a bunch of them were at this dance club bar that we'd go to sometimes. The story we were told from Kenny is he was getting on the interstate because this bar was kind of right off the interstate. It was like you exited 
hung a right and it was like a block or two down. And then to get back on the interstate, you know, you want a block or two back to the interstate, go across the bridge, and then it's an on-ramp. And he said he hit loose gravel on the on-ramp and lost control of the bike. And that's what happened. And it, it darn near ripped off his toe or something. He had a lot of surgeries and had to go through. He was wearing steel toe boots, and if he hadn't, he would have lost his foot. Later... It was said that he had met a stripper. He was really drunk after she wanted to go for a ride and that she was giving him a lap dance while he was driving his motorcycle. And he lost control of the bike. She got hurt, but her friends picked her up because he was freaking out that his wife couldn't know she was with him. So the fact that Kenny was having an affair added a wrinkle to this investigation. And also presented a host of questions. Is there more to this story? Is this a love triangle gone awry? Who were the other people in Riva's life and could they be somehow involved? So just as police's minds start going there, Kenny tells them that Riva was actually currently incarcerated at the Stevens County Jail on charges of unauthorized use of a vehicle, as well as jumping bail. So to their surprise, he expressed relief at the fact that she had been locked up And he was relieved by it because he was actually trying to get his marriage back on track. So he was happy because he'd been trying to end this affair and had been unsuccessful in doing so. So the police regroup and now they have to take a good hard look at Kenny and they also need to go to the jail and speak with Riva. The police learned that Kenny was sort of a floater career wise. He did odd jobs like installing AC units and he had a part time job at a hardware store. And as police kept digging, it seemed to be the fact that Kenny's biker lifestyle was his priority. When you're in that biker scene, it, it's a lot of alcohol, uh, a lot of topless women, and, you know, strip clubs and um, just different types of people around. <laughs> and, it's, you know, bike rallies, just bike games are, are not family-friendly. There's titty contests and... Thong, frozen thong contest where girls are in thongs sitting on blocks of ice and whoever melts theirs first wins, you know. It's, it's just a different life. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways, and with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences, and before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash first today. 
Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Meanwhile, evidence from the glass and home was being poured over and some glaring inconsistencies were becoming apparent. The canine officers that had been utilized at the scene hadn't been able to pick up on the intruder's scent. Ballistics experts studied the trajectory of the gunshot that killed Aaron, and the geometry wasn't really aligning with Kinney's story. Also, there was no forced entry, and the quote-unquote destroyed fence on the exterior of the home appeared to be superficial. The police were also perplexed by some of the elements of Kinney's story. The idea that Aaron would have slept through this entire ordeal and Kinney's struggle with the intruder didn't really add up to them. Also, nothing was stolen or missing from the home. And then there's the issue of Kinney Glasson not being able to give any kind of description of any kind of subject other than he was tall and wearing a hoodie. So at this point, the police were sure there was more going on here than just an accidental shooting. And their suspicions would be validated further after speaking to Kenny's mistress, Reva Smith, at the jail. And they learn a plethora of things from Reva. First being, the pair had met at the Double D Saloon in Oklahoma City. And let's paint a picture of the Double D Saloon. It's a club by the airport that might have some bikers as clientele, but it's not entirely a biker roadhouse bar. It's got a nice interior filled with busty blonde and brunette dancers. And the Double D currently hosts vibrator races on Thursday nights, which is kind of like the old Pinewood Derby races, where you roll your little car down a slanted track, but with vibrators. That sounds fun. <laughs> kind of does sound fun. <laughs> Reaver performed at the Double D under the stage name Heaven. And she said that Kinney sparked up this romance after he gave her jewelry for her birthday in July of 2014, which is about five months prior. 
Kenny asked her to quit dancing at the club, and he started to pay her rent and her utilities. He bought her gifts, clothes. Then came the promises. Promises for the future of a life together with a house, with her kids, and a vacation. They were going to be one big happy family with a white picket fence. And she said that actually before she went to prison, her and Kenny shopped for engagement rings. So her story seemed to conflict drastically with what Kenny was saying. She, he had not been trying to distance himself from Reva in the weeks leading up to Aaron's death. In fact, it seemed to be exactly the opposite. The police didn't know if Reva could be trusted, but there was one thing that they did have. Because she was in prison, all of the recent phone conversations between Kinney and Reva were recorded. So they looked at these conversations. On one, Kinney told Reva he needed to be absolutely sure she wanted to be with him before he transformed his quote-unquote complete life for her. And she said, that's what I've always wanted from day one. He said, I want you to be with me every night. I don't want anybody or anything else. He also said, honey, I love you more than anything in this world. And Reva told the police that the relationship was more than sex, which they usually had in area motels. She said it was romance. And there were also the letters that Kenny sent Reva. He told her that they would soon be together. She just needed to get out of jail. And he told her he was going to get money to bail her out of jail. But here's the thing. Kenny was not the breadwinner of this family that he was in. That was Aaron. And Aaron was also the one that paid the bills and took care of all the finances. And she was very good with money. She would have noticed if a big chunk of money suddenly went missing from their checking account. Where was Kenny going to get this money? So police are taking all of this in. And it was all shocking. But what they would learn next would really change the course of this investigation. As the police continued to question Reva, she started making comments about Kenny's highly secretive job with the FBI. And she said, yeah, he works at the FBI. He showed me his badge. And she said that from the beginning, he stated that his job was secretive. It took him on the road a lot and he wouldn't be reachable all the time. And the police were perplexed by this because by now they had learned that Kenny was a 33-year-old guy with no real steady job. He was not an FBI agent. And he also told Reva that he had been married before, but that he and his wife were separating in January. And he also said that the couple's five-year-old daughter wasn't his. Rather, she was an adopted daughter. He had some sort of badge that he would flash around that, you know, not really show. But, oh, yeah, I'm an FBI agent, flip, flip, you know. This heaven person and her whole family, according to news reports, were basically led to believe he was an FBI agent. That that it was the explanation for why he wasn't around all the time. Not that he is married and has a family, but that he was on cases all over the country. When, in fact, he was like a heat and air technician. He had said he wasn't married. When he met her, and then she ultimately, I believe, found out that he was somehow. Someone had let her know. And he said, well, we are, but we're separated. You know, our divorce will be final in January. And no, they weren't. (laughs) They were completely still together. It it always bothered me because I've always considered myself a pretty honest, truthful, person with integrity and there was none there 
He's probably one of the biggest pathological liars I've ever met. So where does Kinney's mistress, Reva Smith, fit into all of this? This is a girl who, and again, I'm just speculating, but I don't know her at all. Kenny could be very charming and very, he kind of a chameleon type, you know? He could come across as, I'd give you a shirt off my back. What do you need? How can I help? How can I be there for you? How can I care for you? Or this, you know, really badass biker. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with my people. And and he just would adapt depending on who was around. And I feel like this girl comes from a small town. You know, she's working as an exotic dancer to to pay some court costs and, and just try and get back on track with her own life. And here's this guy. He's an FBI agent. And how glamorous and exciting is that when you're from small town nowhere, Oklahoma? And... He wants me, and he sees me for me, and he sees how hard I'm working, and he wants to make a life with me. And then find out later it's all a lie. And that's I, I that's horrible. I hope she understands. If it wasn't her, it would have been somebody else. He he's always been a grass is greener type. You know what I mean? So. There are a couple of interesting things going on here. The first being sort of this biker lifestyle and the life that Kenny kind of curated around him. The second is his need to fabricate this FBI life, a a job, an existence of more importance, some grandiose sort of existence that he needed to fabricate. And there is this element of that here, like a fantasy. So where does that all play in? That's his version of a trophy wife, I think. Not to the credit. Everybody in that profession, they're doing what they got to do to make ends meet. More power to you. But in that world, too, is a lot of role play, right? And augmentation and and just making yourself into something else. And it's that fantasy lifestyle a little bit. So to me, my this is just me. I feel like... He had this fantasy in his head that he and, you know, stripper girl were going to run away together. He's going to kill his wife and get the insurance money. And they just live this happy little fake life. So we've been doing a deep dive into the players in this case. Let's get back to the investigation. Because it's at this point that the police truly understand what's going on here. And their theory was this. Aaron's death was not accidental at all. Rather, it was staged by Kinney. It was all part of a plan to get Aaron out of the way so that he could be with the woman he was actually truly, quote unquote, madly in love with. And the thing that the police learn next is the nail in the coffin for Kinney. There was a $500,000 life insurance policy on Aaron. And guess who the beneficiary was? That's right. It's Kinney. And breaking news, a husband arrested in the shooting death of his wife. Oklahoma City Police just confirmed to me about 45 minutes ago that they arrested Kenny Glasson around 5.15 tonight at his home. He is accused of shooting and killing his own wife. You know, again, another wave of shock. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is unfolding with you know, people I used to be close to. But that at the same time, it was, I'm not surprised. 
I knew it, <laughs> you know, just disbelief, but not at the same time. It was just such a, a double-edged sword a little bit. The police had enough to arrest Kenny, and they charged him with first-degree murder. At trial, he clung to the story about encountering this unknown intruder and Aaron shooting being an accidental, the sort of Oscar Pistorius defense. When the guilty verdict came down, Kenny mouthed, I'm sorry, at his mother in the courtroom. And when he was taken away and his mother went outside, she was heard saying over and over again, he didn't do it. He, he should not be allowed to live outside of the walls of the jail. Um, he has taken a life of a hardworking, responsible woman and mother. And for no reason other than selfish gain, I, I think the jury got it right. But being around people that are like that, I hate liars. I do. I with I don't say the word hate. <laughs> I, I say I don't like things, but I hate liars. If you cannot be real. I, I I just I shut the door. I, I don't know. I I've always had an issue with grandstanding and mask wearing and it is very hard to see through masks of people sometimes. But when you are around people like this, it, it does give you a little better radar, maybe. Um, or at least I'd like to think it does. Um, but yeah, it's, I just, I cannot tolerate deception and falsehood. An unknown intruder entered our house and I killed my wife by accident. It's a tale as old as true crime. In 2014, Seth Tetchell of Iowa was convicted of killing his pregnant wife after claiming an unknown intruder had entered his house while he was taking a shower and shot her. In November of last year, Noah Gaston of Maine was convicted of deliberately shooting his wife with a shotgun after claiming he thought she was an intruder. It's a convenient defense, and accidents can truly, truly happen. But when you dig deeper into the situation, the truth usually comes out, and justice sometimes is served. So there was obviously a very high-profile case that was similar to this, the Blade Runner case, uh, Oscar Pistorius, mm -hmm. uh, where he um, thought he, I think he had a fight with his girlfriend, Reva. Reva goes into the bathroom. He says he falls asleep. So his story is not that there was a fight. It's just that she was right. in the yes. bathroom. Later, when people say they hear yelling is when they're like, then he says there was a fight. But his story is, I heard a rustling. Mm -hmm. I thought Reva was asleep yeah. next to me. I went in and I shot into the bathroom because I thought it was an intruder and I thought Reva was in bed. Right. Yeah. And that sounds super reasonable because you think about South, because this is a case that happened in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So it's South Africa and you hear about the crime rates and, but then, but then like slowly you start to unpack it. Yeah. Where it's like he lived in a fucking really tight, secure yeah. <laughs> development where it was highly unlikely that there would be intruders. You know what I mean? And it's like, then you learn that he's reckless with guns and you start unpacking the information. And that's sort of what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we've seen this case time and time again, sometimes 
you know, it, it does happen that it is accidents. You have a gun in the house. You're, you're, you're it's, it's oftentimes it's at night. Um, you Can don't necessarily you have your wits about you. Have you ever heard of one that was actually an accident? <laughs> that you believe was an accident because I don't recall. One. I can't think of a it's single like, one. I, I, re- I recall the defense. I don't recall it being an actual accident. And it's like I get why people would try to probably argue that for their own sake because it's like I was I, it was half asleep and I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I heard something. Well, last year there was a guy in Michigan who thought he heard a prowler, took out a gun and shot, only discovered that he killed his wife, and he was actually released the next day. And some, there is an exception. There, of course it's happened. That's where this defense probably came from. It right. really did happen. And I think the most, for me, I would believe this if there was like an alarm that went off and she was supposed to be in ho- at home and maybe they slept in different rooms. Like there, there has to be, the problem I have with Oscar Pistorius, for example, is that like, I thought she was in bed. Yeah. And then people reported hearing screaming earlier, fighting. And their phones also corroborate there were some issues happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with, with text she was getting. This is, uh, this is interesting because he staged the scene so poorly. He disturbed like an exterior fence, but didn't create prime marks. The, the insurance is you're just... But then the insurance also, when you get married. Don't do it well, right before. Talking to your exotic dancer girlfriend that you're going to, that you want to marry over the prison phone which and then is saying going to that be you're going to get rid of his or turn your life around or whatever yeah. completely change my life yeah. like what else i mean i wonder if somebody said like what did you mean by that other than killing your wife yeah like and also just the fact that there's also a difference between like an oscar pistorius thing where he thinks he's shooting the intruder and then this one that it's so weird that he the guy hit his arm and it just happened to be a kill shot for his wife like the odds of that actually happening are probably so slim to none it's insane no oscar's story is ridiculous but way more believable way more believable yeah all right thank you so much lauren for being our first degree connection today your interview was incredible. We thank you so much. If anybody has a story to tell, please email us at hello at the first degree podcast.com. Remember that we're still doing our giveaway or we're starting a new giveaway for um, podcast reviews on the podcast app. Just remember to leave your Instagram or we'll be choosing one winner a week to give some free merch to follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook page by searching the first degree in the search bar. Go buy some merch and stick around for killing time and remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close but not, not that, that close happy hug day penny day sources for today's episode include Oklahoma Channel 9 KFOR Oklahoman the Associated Press court documents and as always our first degree interview is always our largest source The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. 
Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. All right, welcome to Killing, killing time. time. Somebody had a little like inside burp. Was that you? It was not me. It wasn't me. I could hear it. It was Billy. I'm was not Billy. drinking today. How would I have it inside? You're burp? drinking Dr. You, Pepper. You could still be gassy. <laughs> yeah, you're gassy. Like alcohol doesn't have anything to do with gas, right? Uh, unless you're drinking beer. Well, yeah, whatever, which I am. So yeah. maybe it was me. Maybe sure. yeah, there you go. Okay, so we're still going through questions because I remember, I just remembered that I had posted questions on instagram as well and we haven't looked at any of them mm-hmm. yet Ooh. back in the day these are from i love this whole different uh, group of people whole on instagram group- than in the facebook yeah whole different group of people these are from december but it doesn't really matter um i'm gonna start with this question because i don't think that we've ever really talked about it it's from hannah kate and she says what was the first case causing you to get into true crime all right. For me, as a kid, it was the JFK assassination. Mm. And obviously, I wasn't like I was alive at the time. Right. But I um, I saw a show called The Man Who Saw Tomorrow, which was about Nostradamus. And it was all things about how Nostradamus predicted this yeah, or yeah, that. Yeah. It's all bullshit. But there was a part... Also, those Nostradamus predictions are so stupid. It's, like <laughs> it's like a psychic. Yeah. They're, it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, the, but there was a, this whole thing about... Um, you know, two bro- two brothers, one gets shot from the sky, and which was that. But then they showed the thing about Grassy Knoll and the Badge Man and all of this, the things. And I, I just got really into it the next day. I went to my library at, at um, in junior high and said, can I see any of the JFK assassination books? And then it just I did that for like a month straight and just got really, really into it. And then I solved the case and then I moved on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, solved right. it. Right. Totally was, solved it. It was Oswald. Sorry. What was yours, Alexis? So in my senior year... In um, Smithtown High School, which is where I went, you had to pick a senior project topic. Mm-hmm. And it's the most boring one now. But at the time, in 2005, Ted Bundy, I was like, I'm going to do mm-hmm. like a deconstruction of Ted Bundy or whatever for my senior project. And right. just sort of, and that's what I did. And then I loved it. And I graduated and my trajectory was sort of set. Right. Who knew? Mine was when I was a kid heaven's gate mm-hmm. for some reason when i was like i don't i think i might have been like eight or nine when it happened maybe a little bit younger my parents said that i was obsessed with it hail bop stuff yeah and i think i was more so makes obs- sense i know what you're gonna say the the, the nikes yeah and the and the fashion yeah i mean it's just, it was, yeah. i still think it's the crate i'm like i think of it today as i'm like that's the worst pr day for nike in the history of nike or the best it, well, it went well yeah. yeah i mean they're fine but could you imagine working for nike and being like oh fuck yeah, like, yeah. so i loved um I, I was obsessed with heaven's gate when i was a kid and then i mean i just like watched unsolved mysteries all the time i always kind of had a love for it yeah um and then, you know, cereal got me into the podcast. Um, yeah, I was always into it, too, because my mom, my mom's an attorney. She was always into crime. And we would watch Lauren Order SVU. And we were into all of it. Mm-hmm. And also, I just think inherently women yeah. like want to know how to not yeah. die. So, yeah. We, yeah, we study this stuff. Yeah. I mean, for me also, like I talk about in my book, the the whole my dad coming home and saying they caught 
they caught the uh, 44 caliber killer, son of Sam. I mean, that's mm-hmm. my it's my first memory of ever speaking a word. Yeah. So it was um, that that was probably the first, but I didn't go back to I didn't like study that one um, uh, until after I got into JFK, and then I started studying right Berkowitz. Um, I just saw that Jared asked a question. Oh, what's his? He said, "Why didn't you pick me for all five of your celebrity oh questions?" Jared. <laughs> One is enough, Jared. One is enough. There was, uh, I can't find this now, but somebody had asked. Um, Wait a minute. Wasn't, wasn't Alexis's celebrity crush, Jared? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. Hey, Jer. Hey, Jer. Um, Call me. Mum, <laughs> mum's the word says, what is the best drink to indulge while listening to the first degree? And also I can't find it now, but somebody else had asked, um, if the first degree had a cocktail, what would it be? That's a really oh. good question. That, yeah. I think that's going to take a little bit of time, but yeah. What do we think? Like as a brainstorm sesh, I think something with, whiz- I think dark, a dark and like a dark and stormy situation, like a, like I'm a almost whiskey thinking, mint, maybe I, I was like, thinking like maybe some, not a Manhattan or like an old fashioned, but something along the lines of I that. I could see an old fashioned. Something yeah, along the twist. That's about a twist. Something, something yeah. with charcoal. Like, where were we? Ooh. We went to a. We, oh, we were at um, Salt's Cure and they had like these black cocktails that or, was like had a purified charcoal in it. There is, there's this thing when I was in Breckenridge at the Breckenridge Distillery, they had this like barrel that they'd put the drink in, like a whiskey drink, and then they'd fill the barrel up with smoke. So then all like it the smoked. smoky taste would get infused into mm-hmm. the whiskey. And then every time you take a sip, you're supposed to turn the glass so you'll always get mm-hmm. like can the whiskey I, in your... Can I confide in you about something? What? When you said whiskey drink, and I was like, no, 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 no. Drink. I stopped. Uh, that's just <laughs> I knock down, drink. Knock it up again. I was like, yeah, okay. Like that's all you say is a whiskey drink, uh-huh. and that's where you go. Tub thumping man, right? Yep. So we think it's like some type of a whiskey, smoky whiskey type situation. situation. Okay. Well, I have two good questions coming up. One will be a quick answer, maybe. It's from Chelsea McCann, and she says, "What happened to bitches in the bathroom?" <gasps> <laughs> okay, we could play what we have. I think, have we not played it before? No. Well, here's, we've told the story of how I, with Alexis's help. No, no, no. <laughs> Stop this. I literally did most of the lyrics. It's a lie. You're lying. No, I'm not. You, for some reason, Who cut me out of this memory. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced as your friend. Okay, whatever. We, we collectively were wrote it in my bed, first of all. And you literally blocked out this whole thing and the narrative has changed where you and my ex were like on some like musical fucking transformative experience together and that I wasn't there, which is why I don't remember you being there. Okay. Maybe you guys were in love. Sorry, Jer, me and you, (laughs) you go date Mark Torres. (laughs) Hey Mark. Um, so we, we wrote this song. Uh, for no reason. Uh, we thought we were going to be famous. Yeah. It's a good song. It's a great song. Never, never released it, obviously. It also, I never finished it. It was only like halfway we done. We never finished it. <laughs> Jesus So, Christ. So our goal was to have Jared kind of rewrite the music. Jared? And I, we need a better chorus. The chorus was weak. The, the verses chorus? were strong. The verses were so- the the hook was strong. The it's catchy. We the just chorus is the it, chorus is weak. It's not full enough. No, no, it's no. Very it needs flat. to be out. It needs a it needs like a robust uh symphonic yes. sound. Yes. Something very uh lush musically. Yes. So we have uh I 
You know, Jared started working on it one time when I was in Phoenix, but then I told him to make it sound like a Kygo song. And he was like, you know that the the way the song flows is not a Kygo song. So then he tried to do it. And I was like, you're right. This is fucking terrible. <laughs> yes, Jack. It can't all be Kygo. I know, We're but I want it to be. Our own sound. I don't know what the sound is. We're in, that's because you're not consulting with the creative <laughs> genius partner. <laughs> and you're just trying to do it yourself. But you know what? It was birthed from collaboration. It can only move forward with collaboration. Fine. And until you accept that I was there, we can't move forward. <laughs> okay, so that's that's where bitches the, the bathroom That's why. Is. It's because Jacqueline never, and I honestly, are should... like thumb wrestling about who wrote it, and she literally denies. She's like a a songwrite songwriting denier. Well, it was all on my computer. I am the only one that knows how to use Logic, so. I, I was taking sound class at the time in college. I wrote the lyrics. Well, here's what that I'm was, that's a lie. We definitely wrote the lyrics. It's how I talk. No. <laughs> the lyrics are how I talk. We either collaborated or I wrote the lyrics. <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> You're insane. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next question. Katie McKenna says, what kind of cheese describes your personality? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. It's a loaded mm, question. It is a loaded question. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Okay, you know what? I think we should go around and name our personality, and then we will name the cheese for you. Because it's impossible you to be like, I'm this and this and this. We'll know which no, cheese I know, it is. No, I know what cheese I am. Okay, what is it? So you say your personality things. I'm Gouda. Why? No, that's Which, not what we no. just said. That's what you just said. <laughs> you name the characteristics. No, no I want to know cheese. my no, no, no. I would like to know which kind of cheese Billy thinks I'm, he is. I'm, You're not I'm Gouda. Gouda. Smoky mysterious no gouda is very clear no gouda is smoky and mysterious Mm -hmm. that's me that's it i thought you were gonna describe more no that's that's about as far as i'm gonna go jack i could i wanted you say what cheese you are i don't know i I don't know why i'm leaning towards a sharp cheddar you're sharp Mm -hmm. i'm sharp i'm a little i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm just really thinking about the unexpected cheddar from trader joe's crumbly do you crumble (laughs) Not really. That one is kind of crumbly. It's crumbly. It's not too moist. It's sort of dry, but it has this very sharp. You're very sharp. Yeah, I'm sharp and a sharp and dry. You're like a and unexpected sometimes. Absolutely, I think you nailed it. Okay, I'm the unexpected cheddar from Trader Joe's. Which, by the way, if you like cheddar cheese, it is fantastic. I can eat a block in one sitting. Yes. What what cheese are you? I don't know. I'm gonna name characteristics, and you guys name the cheese. Okay. Um, strong. Okay. So we need like a dense cheese. <laughs> yeah. Polyo string cheese. String no, cheese? I only said one thing. I'm sorry. I, I jumped um, the gun. Strong. Funny. Cheese isn't funny. Light. Light. Okay, no, strong I'm Strong and light. Heavy. <laughs> Emotionally heavy. Light. No. Heavy. Sad cheese. <laughs> um, drunk. Drinking cheese. Um, oh, what, is there a cheese that's infused with like a whiskey? Pub cheese. A pub cheese. Pub cheese. <gasps> like a beer. Like cheese curdle. So <laughs> pub cheese. Like a beer cheese. Yeah. Like I feel be- like I'm you're a beer, beer cheese. cheese. Curdle. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm flattered. <laughs> no, like what you. about a cheese that goes on like a poutine? I'm okay with that. With how I am. Pub cheese will do just fine. Let's just end this. <laughs> <laughs> no more introspection for me today. Okay, go get our cheeses at your local yes. Trader Joe's. Joe's. <laughs> We're not a sponsor. Okay, we've killed 12 minutes and 34 seconds of time. What was our sign-off going to be? Somebody gave us a really good sign-off. Time, the time of death. You, you time of death. It. Time yes. of death, 12 minutes, 42 seconds, but I might cut some out. But time of death, 
I'll no, fill it no, in so, later. So, so one of us says, should we call it? Should we call it? Oh, okay. Time of death. I'll do should we call it. Yeah. And then you have to say it because you, okay. All right. Should we call it? Yeah. Time of death. Ellipses. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.